Let me encourage somebody online. You, you may feel like, God, I can't believe I'm still in the same spot. I can't believe I'm dealing with the same issue. I can't believe I'm still, I still have the same struggle. But despite the same issues, despite the same struggles, despite the same spot, you still serve a God who's still on the throne. <laughs> and he's still working in your favor. Woo! All right, all right, all right, all right. Let me. Let me. We had to get that praise out, I'm telling you. Because the enemy was crafty all week. People, people just don't understand. And I woke up this morning. As soon as I rolled out of the bed, I got on my knees and I was like, God, you're going to have to do it. Because it's been rough. But he's still on the road. He's still working out. Come on, let me get this word out because it's been burning in my It's just been burning in my spirit. Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Ooh, give me a couple of minutes. We'll get back to a, a deeper praise after the word. Amen. Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Tell me, Jesus, enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, my God. And there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. You may have your seats in the presence of the Lord. And my title for this morning is simple. Danger, watch your choice. Danger, watch your choice. Uh-huh. Before we get to our text today, I just want to take a, a minute. Y'all know me, I love to read the history of the text, and I just want to go back a few chapters so we can have a full understanding on how we arrived to this particular text. Let me start by saying Jesus' ministry was composed of two components, doctrinal teaching and miracle working. In our text today, we join Jesus as he is coming to a close of his first in-depth recorded sermon that is composed of various doctrinal teachings that began back in chapter 5. After having been victorious against the temptation of the enemy, Jesus' quiet ministry begins in Galilee, the choosing of Simon Peter, Andrew, James, and John as his first disciples in the healing of the great multitude. All of the recorded words of Jesus from chapter 5 to our text today is one continuous foundational sermon known as the Sermon on the Mount. When you do a, a, a historical review of the text, a lot of people believe or thought that after he completed the Beatitudes, the Sermon of the Mount was completed. However, when I did the research, I found that after Jesus seated himself on the top of the mountain, he began preaching with no breaks in his sermon. He didn't move his position, meaning it was one continuous sermon. So let's take a quick look at this foundational sermon and the various transitions Jesus makes. In this three-chapter sermon, Christ teaches several foundational principles. Amen? He begins with the Beatitudes and from there, he goes to teaching that we are the salt and the light of the world. From there, he instructs us not to speak falsely or use profanity, to not swear, but to make sure that we stand by whatever we say. 
In other words, don't be wishy-washy, but let your yes be yes and your no be no. From there, he moves on to tell us about seeking vengeance on those who hurt us. And when we see someone in need to give willingly and generously in our service to them. From there, he tells us to love our enemies, those we know are against us, who hate us and curse us, but to love them despite them. From there, he continues in chapter 6 by telling us to do good deeds to please God, not to achieve favor by man. From there, he teaches us the model, the model prayer, also known as the disciples' prayer, and what we ought to pray when we come before the Lord. From there, he gives us the correct principles concerning fasting. From there, he teaches us to align our treasures of our lives and heavenly investments. From there, he warns us about being careful what we allow into our lives via our eye gates, which are the lamps of our bodies. From there, he teaches us that we cannot serve and be loyal to God and man at the same time. You must choose one. From there, he teaches us a valuable lesson about who and how God is in relation to his care for us and instructs us not to worry. And then we get to chapter 7, where he begins by warning us not to judge others because no one, no one has the authority to judge others to condemnation and because we need to focus our attention to our own behaviors. From there, he moves to telling us we don't have the what we don't have the authority to do, into telling us what we do have the authority to do, by telling us we have the right as children of God to ask God for what we need and even desire. For our heavenly Father does not desire to withhold His good according to His will from us. And now we arrive at the text. After He teaches all of that, we get to the text on the two roads or paths of life that we can be traveling on. He begins this section of the Sermon on the Mount by saying, enter in by the narrow gate, which leads me to my first point. Before you can expect to have a successful journey, you must determine to begin on the right path. Before you can expect to have a successful journey. You must determine to begin on the right path. Enter by Webster's definition means to come into or to begin. In the Greek, the word enters, enter is used in this text as arise. The mere various definition of this word made me begin to think, why use the word Arise. Wow. Why, Jesus, would you say arise by or begin by? And as I thought about the word arise, it got me to thinking about life and all its complexities. All of the things we face on a day-to-day -day basis, all of the situations and circumstances that plague us and cause us to live our lives below our level or below God's level of expectation and abilities especially in this day with the pandemic of economic downturn, of rise in racial, uh, of racial issues, overwhelmingly acceptances of ungodly principles and practices. It made me realize that if you and I are not careful, 
to make the conscious choice to live to the capacities we have been given, we will go through life experiencing it, but not necessarily living it. If you and I are not careful to make a conscious choice to live to the capacities that we have been given, it is possible, Pastor, for us to go through life experiencing it, but not really living it. The perfect example of this is the man by the pool of Bethesda. Wow. His story is told in the first eight verses of chapter five in the book of John. This man who had an infirmity for 38 years had chosen to sit idly by day after day, year after year, allowing life to pass him by. Because he was struck down by sickness. Unable to live to his fullest capacity because all he could see was his illness that binded him. We don't know specifically what infirmity he suffered from, but historians have surmised that those who sat by the pool for healing were either crippled, blind, or had some other physical disability. So it's safe to say he could not move on his own. But the text also indicates that his physical infirmity was not the only inhibition to his deliverance. Watch, stay with me. When you read the text, it says, when Jesus spoke to him and asked him if he wanted to be well, the man spoke back. Now, there was no delay in his response, but there were excuses in his response. His quick excuse late response got me to thinking, if this man could answer Jesus so quickly with his laundry list of excuses, what stopped him from speaking up and asking for help to get into the pool? It says in the text that he knew the angel of the Lord came in at a certain time to stir up the water. He knew he couldn't achieve reaching the pool on his own, but he did have the ability to use his mouth to his speech, his words to gain the assistance and access he needed to get into the pool and receive his healing. So what kept him from years from receiving the help he needed for the be? He didn't have the ability to tap into the resources he did have because he was so focused on what he did have, church. Let me just ask this question to us today. Could it be Jesus knew that when we would begin our journey with him, that you and I wouldn't have the strength, hallelujah, to get out of some of the things that we were stuck in. Could it be he knew we didn't have the strength or wisdom to get up and begin our Christian journey on the right path because we are stuck in a place of complacency, stuck in a place of decadence. Could it be Jesus knew our emotional and mental infirmities, our strongholds, will become a place of comfort because we haven't used the resources we've been given. We haven't used the authority he has given us to rule and have power in our lives. Could it be that we have chosen to allow these strongholds, the things that bind us, to become permanent con conditions refusing to evict them from our very spirits, afraid to look for or expect healing, afraid to look for or expect deliverance, afraid to 
to look for or expect direction because it pulls us out of our comfort zone. Maybe that is what Christ had in mind when he said, arise and enter by the narrow gate. He knows the state in which we will begin our journey with him. He knew that before we came to accept him as Lord and Savior, that we would move from being enemies to God to his very own children. He knew we would need to be pointed into the direction of life after having come out of this world in its parasitic and destructive ways and demonic practices. He knew that we would be draped in the failures of life and be so bound by what we experienced for for years right outside the place of our deliverance that we would need to be given this directive. He knew that the enemy would try to trip us up with condemnation. But I'm so glad the word says in Romans 8 and 1, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Christ said, enter by the narrow gate. Listen, it's not a question, it's a directive. Arise and go into. And I want to stop this in this moment to encourage somebody. That thing you've been stuck in, it's time to arise. That pain you've been stuck in, it's time to arise. That situation you've been stuck in, it's time to arise. Those strongholds that's been gripping you, it's time to shake it off and arise and enter in to what God has for you. Some of us see the blessing in front of us and we're like, why God can I receive it? He said, because you're stuck, but I've given you freedom. I've given you authority. I've given you power. And I've given you a directive to arise and go into. We got to make a choice. How sad is it, Sister Jerusha? Sometimes we get delivered we get free, we stay stuck. We feel the freedom, but we're so comfortable being stuck. Woo, thank you, Holy Spirit. The chains have been loosened, but we haven't taken them off. They've been broken, but we haven't taken them off. And God is saying, there's some things that I have for you. And you've been staring at it for years. Asking God, it's in my grasp, but it's not in my embrace. I have the ability to reach out and touch it, but for some reason, God, I can't pull it close. And God is saying, because where you're at, you're stuck. And all of these things that are attached to you limit your mobility in the spirit to go and receive and to do what I called you to. So God is saying he's given us a new mobility in the spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. He's given us a new mobility. And those things that were stiff, he's loosening it up. Okay, thank you, Holy Spirit. This morning we had a little trouble getting into the church because the thing was stuck. And he had to go and get something and hammer it out. And Sister Jerusha had to go and get the W-40 because something that was so simple that we always had access to and we always knew how to get into it, this morning we couldn't. And I hear the Holy Spirit saying, there are some things that you have always had access to and that was always before you. And every time you went to move it, it was stuck. But God is going to give us some spiritual W-40. He's going to cover his power. He's going to knock some things out of his joint. That's the time to keep us stuck because he's giving us a new mobility.
or what they use their oil for. It might look like a container similar to the one you keep your oil in, but you don't know what they really did with their oil. You don't know what they went through to get that oil. You don't know how God pressed them to get that oil. So you can't be replicating somebody's oil or going to somebody else's house to use their oil and you wonder why everything you're trying to do is tainted because you ain't use the oil God told you to use. And stop worrying about if people don't like your oil. That is not your problem. Pastor Daniel, don't worry about the people that don't like your oil, boo. That's not the problem. Because God has graced you with the fresh oil for a fresh season for the new believers. Hallelujah. What time is it? We got to go. I know. Y'all not going to get me in trouble with this. Got to pay that over. But God has given us new oil. Fresh oil. Untainted oil. Unused oil. Unmixed oil. You ever try to mix chicken grease and fish grease? That's You don't want to eat that. Holy Spirit, thank you. And I just hear Brother Bobby. God is saying that some of the things that ain't working because you're trying to mix some of the world and some of the, uh, uh, some of God and it's nasty and it's not producing what it's supposed to produce it. And then we wonder why people can't swallow the food that we're giving them because we're giving it to them with I promise you that's the Lord because my son ain't got nothing to do with that. Come on, let's get back to the text. Hallelujah. Holy Ghost, help your mind. Jesus. All right. So, that's the text. We're trying to get back to the text, Jesus. But I promise you, it all ties together. So, first, you got to expect to have a successful journey. You have to determine to begin on the right path. Secondly, Help us, Jesus. You have to realize there is another path to choose from, and we have to avoid it and what it holds. The text continues in verse 13 and says, For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go by in it. Jesus starts by telling us exactly which way to go. Now, he could have left it at that. He could have said, look, the narrow path is the way to go. That's it. Y'all need to know about nothing else. You know, like how we do our children, there is more than one option available to them for a particular task, but because we don't foresee the danger of the other one, we avoid even telling them about it. We want them to do what we say, exactly how we say, no questions asked. Mainly out of fear. It don't work, but we try it. <laughs> because we know we won't be able to control the choice they ultimately make. But watch. And y'all leave me alone about these. Deep, don't, don't make your list today about the words I'm missing. But watch. Christ, <laughs> Christ doesn't do that to us. He starts up telling us exactly where to go. And to help keep us straight, he lets us know what up front, what awaits us on the other road available. He said, that broad path will lead you to your very destruction. He loves us so much that he doesn't pretend that the other path isn't there. But he acknowledges the path exists and uncovers the truth of the path. 
He closes uh, his statement by telling us that many go in by it. And it made me wonder if he leads off by telling us the outcome of walking this particular path, why does he close his statement by saying, but many go in by it? And that got me to thinking about his wilderness experience. It got me to thinking about all of the wonderful promises the enemy made to Jesus to entice him away from the very task and authority given to Christ by God. Back in chapter 4 of this book, and all of the enemies tempting of Jesus, Satan never once said to him, okay, here's what I'm offering, and if you choose these things, let me warn you of the real outcome. No, he only tempted Christ with what he believed his flesh would respond to after having fasted 40 days. And just like the enemy did that to Christ, he does that to us today. He tempts us and entices us with the things he knows our flesh will respond to, to get us to only see and accept, watch this, what that is, which is pleasurable. But he never reveals to us that if we choose anything he offers, it will lead to our destruction. The enemy doesn't forewarn us that if we choose to follow our flesh instead of our faith, that will we ultimately lose more than we gain. But praise be unto God, Christ our Lord and Savior, in this text, warns, up, uh, warns us up front. He tells us, if you travel down this broad, vast, tolerant road, it will surely lead to your own destruction. Yeah, you're going to look down the path and see other people down there enjoying themselves. Yeah, it might appear to offer more. Yes, it might appear to have more opportunities on the broad road, but just because everybody else is doing it, just because the world says it's an acceptable way of living and managing life through the broad road of shocking, it's still not what God intended for your life. Just because the world says it's okay to drown your sorrows in alcohol and drugs, it's still not the path you choose. Those way of life, those choices are manifestation of the broad path normality. And if you choose to get up and walk that road, you will be participating in the process of destroying your life. You see, just like spiritual growth doesn't happen overnight, spiritual growth doesn't happen overnight, neither does destruction. <laughs> This journey is not a one-day event. Yep. It is a lifelong experience. And what he is saying is, if you travel this broad road, the road that seems more pleasurable, the road that seems easier, the road that doesn't cause you to give up some people, places, or things, the road that doesn't cause you to reevaluate yourself, the road that doesn't challenge or convict you, you now have a front row seat to your own demise. And let me just pause right here and say to somebody, stop blaming God for every amount of pressure or trial you're experiencing in life. Stop giving credit to the enemy for all the consequences you face. You know the things we say, child, I'm going through. Maybe God is testing me or I'm under attack by the enemy. No, honey. Sometimes the things you and I experience have absolutely nothing to do with the testing period by God nor a tempting period by the enemy. Sometimes 
clarity to know if he is working or if he is allowing the enemy to come to you. I want somebody to do this. Look down and check your path. Before you say, God, is this you? God, is this the enemy? God, no. Lord, help me to evaluate my own life. Look down and check your path. Somebody tell your neighbor, look down and check your path. Type that in the chat online. Look down and check your path. Some of the stuff you were going through is because you got up. But like Tony, you went through the wrong gate. You got up and you chose to do the things that would satisfy your flesh instead of satisfying the Lord. Check your path. Somebody say, check your path. We must choose and find the narrow path. Help me, Lord. Christ, in the beginning of this close of a portion of his sermon lesson, tells us narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are a few who find it. This should be a reassuring statement to every believer on this journey. But I want to, if you will allow me, to look at these words a little out of order in just a moment. I want to first address the fact that Christ has said, difficult is the way which leads to life. Both statements are vitally important, but just indulge me for a moment. Many times in my life, in the life of others, I have heard things said that being a Christian shouldn't be so hard. I shouldn't have to struggle so much. This walk, because we are the very elect children of God, Daddy, it should be a little bit easier. You know, because we say things like the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, and we got access to the Father and He loves us, and all of these assuring principles that we do find in the text, but the text never said we won't go have no hard times. James tells us, Count it all joy when we yes. fall into that shots. Not if we, not supposing we shall, when you fall. Meaning, it's bound to happen. <laughs> I'm going to leave it alone. Okay. Because, you know, we, I think sometimes we do ourselves a disservice when we only look at the glorious things of life. Right? And when I just said that, there are some things that's bound to happen. That, that song that came out a little while ago that everybody sing during praise. You're gonna let the sea happen. We gonna eat. I'll let the sea my blessing. But you're gonna live to see some trials. <laughs> we can't just get so caught up in the good things. We gonna, you gonna see some hard times. But here it is. Christ told us in the text the way to life is going to be difficult. I, I, I believe this purpose, this, this phrase had duality and purpose. First of all, it helps straighten our perspective and expectations for our journey, but also if I could be a Baptist preacher for a second, believe this phrase is a messianic view of what he was about to experience on his way to and on the cross. His brutal torture, his beating, his scourging, the ridicule he would face as they led him to the cross, his shameful death 
on the cross would be a difficult journey, a journey that seemed hopeless, but eventually would lead to life, not for himself, but for all those that believed in him. So I just want to say thank you, Jesus, for choosing the difficult way to the cross and redeeming us back into the Lord, because that's why we get to come into the sanctuary. That's why we get to praise his name. That's why we get, because he chose the difficult way. And you always say, we are a representation of Christ, but guess what? Your way to life is gonna be difficult. Now, now, if I was looking at this evangelist thing, you know, we always say in sermon prep, it's always vital to look at what the text says, but it's also equally important to notice what it doesn't say. And when I was reading this, Evangelist Daniels, I was like, the text doesn't say the paths are completely separate or in different locations. Stay with me. It never says that while you are on the narrow path, that you will never have access to or come across the broad path. If you will let me use my imagination, let me say when we are on this journey, life will hit us with so many different obstacles, so many hardships that sometimes our flesh will make us go looking for that broad path because it seems so much easier to handle. Life has a way of presenting things to you that we will choose to allow these paths, watch, to intersect. Mm -hmm. When you have the wrong perspective, watch this. When you have a perspective that it's okay to intersect the path, you become a path jumper uh-huh you know a path jumper is one whose motto is when the going gets tough the tough get going meaning they tailor help me jesus which path they are on for a particular part of their journey depending on how they feel yes. many of us have tailored which path we are on based off of what we have done at some point, if we could be honest, no judgment, but if we could be honest, we've allowed our paths, those paths to cross in our lives. We've jumped paths based off of what we felt. We base where we allow our feet, mind, and heart to go based off of what suits them best. This week being godly suits my agenda, so I'll stay here. Uh, this week, living by the principles of God is going to cause me to miss out, so let me visit the broad path, but let me just give a careful warning and reminder. We cannot be path jumpers. Watch. When Jesus spoke of the broad path, he never said it leads to destruction after a certain amount of time. He simply says, the broad path leads to destruction, say with me, meaning that even a quick visit to that path can still lead to destruction in every area of your life. We cannot walk on two different paths in two different directions at the same time. Although the way to life is difficult on this path, we will have to cry out to God for the strength to stay the course. We will struggle, but stay on course. We will have to cry out, but stay on course. Don't look away to the enticement of the world path. It's enticing. But we are 
we are commanded to stay on the, the, the now path. On this journey to life, we are going to experience hard times. On this now path, we will experience struggles and suffering. On this path, we will have to cry out to God, but take hope. You see, it's in these times that God can mature us to the level he desires for us, but we can never allow the difficulty or the pressure of the narrow path determine whether or not we stay on course. I'm almost through. Count, that's the first time I got at least one more to tell y'all. Tell y'all that. Be quiet, deep. I saw your post. Take a look at this word narrow with me. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. side note, I'm like, yeah, man, he married to a pastor. He be posting all this stuff. Yeah, we, we say it. We don't mean it. But, but, but Webster, now as defined by Webster, means restricted. Christ is letting us know this road to life in him is restricted. This narrow path, church, is restricted. The problem is, for so long, we have left ourselves open to the laziness and quick schemes of the world's standards of growth, prosperity, and acceptance and we equate that with what we should experience as believers. Not only that, but we try to enter the gate carrying the baggage of life with us. Beliefs, pains, and hurts have been a part of us for so long. We try to bring it with us. But watch, Christ says, because narrow is the gate, you and I must determine if we are going to start our journey on this narrow path of life. We got to learn to cut off and cut away some places, experiences, and things from our past. Put off the baggage of past hurts and pains. Put off the baggage of selfishness. Put off the baggage of failed relationships. Put off the baggage of disappointments. There is no room. Watch this. There is no room for these things at the gate. These are merely stumbling blocks that prevent you from being able to get up and begin your journey on the narrow path. As the writer advises in Hebrews 12 and 1, these are all weights that we must dispose of to run this Christian journey. We should take comfort in knowing up front that just as the broad path leads to our destruction, the narrow path leads to life in Christ and a life of freedom in the spirit. Now, not only must we not carry the negative things and experiences of life onto this path with us, we all, we must also know and come to grips that this journey will be a lonely one. Yes, yes. When we come into our Christian journey, we are fearful of going in it alone. We expect to take some people with us no matter what their purpose or season is, through the narrow gate. Just as the journey through the narrow gate is too small for us to carry negative baggage and weight, we, we must stop looking to take everyone into the gate with us. We must determine within ourselves that whatever God has designed for my life from the beginning of time, I'm going into this narrow gate. To walk up the life he has for me all by myself. Sometimes we get disappointed when people don't go through it or enter with us, but everybody's journey 
does it start at the same time or same place? And again, perspective makes the difference. Because watch, although we must choose to enter into this journey by ourselves, and although there will be times when we experience loneliness, we are never alone. Well, what do you mean? He finishes his sermon lesson by concluding his outline of the narrow path because he says, there are few who find it. So that means two things. First, one must be searching for the narrow path of righteousness. You will not just happen upon it. It's not easily crossed or mapped out like the eyes where it's going to be color-coded. Color and every time you step on a brick nut, it's not that you got to seek it out. And secondly, he says that few will find it, meaning we are not the only ones searching for it, nor are we alone on the path. Now, I know you're like, wait a minute, a minute ago you said we can't go into the gate with people, and now you're saying there's other people on it. Yes, because that's what the text says. Now, let's, I'm going to give an illustration, and we're going to go home. I mean, evangelist Daniel, minister Josh, and pastor Daniel, sister Jewish. And I want to, we're going to give this illustration, and we're going to go home. Now I want y'all to use your imagination. Right. You can't see everybody. Move it back there. You good? Okay. Y'all crazy. So this is the narrow gate. So I want y'all to imagine that right in front of me, the, the width of who I am, here to here, shoulder to shoulder, this is my narrow gate. So what Jesus is saying is, you have to search for the narrow gate, and you have to be willing to enter it alone, but there are many who find it and who are on the path with you. But you can't initially take them with you. Even if these people are connected to me, when I go in, y'all step up with me. If I was to try to go into the gate, what's going to happen? They're, they're on the fence side of it. She's on the fence side of it. So I'm trying to go in, but all I'm doing is hindering them because I'm able to enter into the space created for me to go into, but they are being hindered because they are being blocked because God didn't say all of y'all going to look for it at the same time, but he did say all of you need to be looking for it in your own journey. So we got to be careful that we don't cause damage to other people because we're trying to take them someplace God didn't tell us to take them into. But watch this. If y'all follow behind me in a single line, here's the thing. If I, if I go into my narrow gate and if I'm living the life that God has called me to live, if I'm connected to them, I won't tell them to come in with me, but I will tell them to follow me through this path. Because this path is the way of life. This path is the way of Jesus. And watch. I get to come through and they get to come through. And here's what he says. Let me find it. So even if I have a weak moment, if I'm leading the people on the right path, if I stumble, they got me. Catch me. If I stumble, they got me. If she stumbles, he got her. If he stumbles, he got her. If we stumble, hallelujah, we got each other. So we're able to walk on an arrow path. Watch this. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Here's, here's, y'all stay right there. Because that's the narrow cut. They're on the narrow cut. And sometimes life might cause me to struggle. And I may get off to the broad path. Because my friends is cussing and drinking over there. 
And my flesh is like to get through, through this, you need a little sip. So I have a little sip of them. Can I be, can I be real? On this morning, sometimes my flesh will be, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, the fun over here. I like this restricted life. I want to be able to punch somebody in the face if they get on my nerves. We, we, we gonna be honest. The restricted life says, "Be ye holy, because I'm holy." So practice self-control on the narrow path. You can't punch them out, or you can't snatch them, or you can't get beside yourself because your flesh wants to not on a narrow path. Why? Because that's not a that that's not an opportunity on the narrow path that don't exist on a narrow path. But sometimes we intersect. Sometimes we get off the narrow path and we go on a broad path. But here's where we're to encourage one another as brothers and sisters on in Christ. They're on, on the narrow path. But if we're connected, you should know when I've gotten off the right path. And you should love me enough that when I'm over here loving doing what I'm doing, what I'm not supposed to be doing, as my sister. You're supposed to take my hand and say, sis, get back on course. Now, I might not be in the same position I was in the beginning, leaning down, but at least I'm back on the right course. And some of us get distracted and we get discouraged because we feel like I fell and I lost my position. But as long as you're able to get back on course, as long as you're able to follow somebody that's following Jesus, as long as you get back to the path that leads to life, you're
can't even watch Cabbage Patch Kids. Are you kidding me? Don't talk about me. But I used to. I can't. I can't watch that either. Really? We can't watch talk. So we can't do nothing. We just shaking. All you can do is wear this skirt and this dolly on your head and pray. Uh, let me be nice. I don't want to think nobody else that may be watching from a different denomination. But when you can, you got to sing it and carry. I'm 10. <laughs> Let's go outside. You got to sing and carry for Holy Ghost. I don't even know what that means. I'm 10. Let me, let me go outside. Let me play. Who is Terry? I know kids in there. I don't know Terry. You, if you going to live for Jesus, you got to live holy. Help me, Jesus. But some of their definition of holy was broken. I don't look at nobody. But be getting me in trouble. I can't. I can't go to the movie. You let brother so and so and sister so and so in your house and name. They not the child holy. Come on. I seen the elder tipping out the corner stove. That ain't the Spanish corner stove. It's the other one. But I can't have. Uh-huh. Yeah, they was at the liquor store. I was trying to be nice to them. See, I seen them tipping out the liquor store, but y'all just told me that we gotta be holy so I can't have no Pepsi because it's gonna mess up my digestive system. Put that bottle on them, whatever. And they made it so they taught narrow living, but they live broad living, and they wonder why everybody's so confused and don't want to be bothered with the church. You can't preach narrow and live broad. It's disgraceful to God and it's confusing to the world. You can't say be holy, but when my flesh don't want to be holy, I'm a tiptoe over. No, 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 no. And if they see you doing this stuff and then you say, why don't you come to church with me? You go to church? <laughs> That's why it's important. For us to say completely in word, thank you, Holy Spirit, and indeed on the narrow path. The church has gotten comfortable with speaking it and not living it. And I'm just, Sister Jewish, I just believe that's part of the reason God shut us down and why we still partially shut down because we still ain't getting it. Oh, I can't wait to church to get back to normal. I can't wait for things to be the way they used to be. And God is like, I don't want it that way. Because you have tainted what I'm giving you. Because you preach narrow and you live broad. But I came to encourage us this morning. Preach it and live it. Stay on the path. Know, first of all, that the Holy Spirit will continue to lead you on this path. But because there are other people seeking it, even if you stumble, even if you let your foot slip, you should have people on that path with you to say, nah, sis, bring your foot back over. Nah, nah sis, get your life back together. Nah, bro, you got to get that thing in order. Y'all might offend you for a moment because your flesh want to do it, but if you, want, you can be offended in your flesh as long as you be corrected in the spirit. 
Because I don't care what your flesh want to do. I don't care how you feel about the correction. I want you to live right so that when you see Jesus, you ain't got to give an account for destroying your own life. But when you get before him, you can say, God, even though I had a moment, I was able to gather myself and get back on a path that leads to life. Some of us are wondering why we don't have the manifestation of life, of the abundance, is because you're on the wrong path. So get on the path. You got to look for it. You got to look for the narrow path. You got to stop trying to take other. Come on, sis, go with me. No, come follow me. Follow me on this narrow path. And even when there are other people on this Christian journey that you see enjoying, don't go join them. Try to get them back on course. Amen. Amen. But stay on a narrow path. Don't, don't be the only reason your life is destroyed. Because you made a conscious choice to live on the wrong path. Seek for and live out the narrow path. You're going to struggle, but stay on that path. It's not going to always be easy. Stay on that path. You're going to have questions and doubts. Stay on that path. You're going to have enticements to jump ship. Stay on that path. And don't think just because you got on it that you ain't ever got to check it every now and again. Because sometimes we are unaware to the lustings or of our flesh and how the enemy draws us away. Make sure you check in every now and again what path you on so that you are not have, having been drawn away and don't even realize you've been drawn away. Stay on path. Check your path. And allow, allow the Lord to keep you and lead you to on a path that leads to life. Amen. Come on, stand all over the building. I pray that was a